Moshe Rabbeinu Davin to go in. And he says, Ebrana, please allow me to cross over into Eretz Yisrael, the Eretz Haaretz, and I'll see, I'll look at the land. In other words, even when Moshe is going into Eretz Yisrael, he's saying, Ebrana, let me cross in the Eretz and I'll see. So the Eretz is not like the, com- the consolation prize. Even though you can't go in, nevertheless you could see. Because even when Moshe is asking to go into Eretz Yisrael, he's asking that I should go in and see. So what's the idea behind this thing? He wasn't blind. Why shouldn't he see it? And even though he couldn't go in, but he's, he's, needed, to take, he's needed to look at Eretz Yisrael. So just to, to share a small thing, and, and this will hopefully bring us into the sugya that we want to talk about. We have time. We're in the three weeks. We're going to be reading Eicha in a couple of weeks. All the Pesukim in the first four prakim of Eicha are in the Seder of the Aleph Beis. Meaning the first Pasuk begins with an Aleph, the second Pasuk begins with a Beis, third with a Gimel. And in three out of the four prakim, I think we, could, we've spoken about this before, although all the letters are in the order of the Aleph Beis, two letters are out of order. It goes Mem, Nun, Samach, Pei, and then Ayin. So Gemara says in, in Sanhedrin, that the reason why the pay comes before the ayin is because pay is the word peh, ayin is the eye. So the Miraglim, when they went into Eretz Yisrael, they had a preconceived notion. They said with their mouths before they looked with their eyes. And since that's what caused the Chorban, the crying caused the Chorban, so in the Psukim of Eicha, the pay comes before the ayin. In other words, the first time Yidin went into Eretz Yisrael, which was when the Miraglim went, they didn't look with their eyes. They said what they were going to see, and then their vision was blurred, was distorted. They saw the wrong thing. It's like if you're looking through a frosted glass, and somebody says, you know, there's a wild animal going around that room. You look through a frosted glass, and you see something moving around, so you see the wild animal. But if you don't know that there's a wild animal, and you think maybe there's a person, maybe there's something, you don't necessarily see what you think it is, because you're, you're looking at it fresh, and it's up to your own imagination. Eretz Yisrael, there's different ways to look at Eretz Yisrael. You could look at Eretz Yisrael and see very bad things. You could look at Eretz Yisrael and see very good things. The Maragam came back and they reported it was an Eretz Achelos Yashver. They had a very distorted vision. Why? Because they knew that Eretz Yisrael had to be bad. It wasn't going to work for them. So Mamela, what they saw was negativity. Moshe Rabbeinu had to be Masaki in that. So Moshe Rabbeinu says to a bunch of when he davens, he says, I'm davening that I should go into Eretz Yisrael ve'ereh. I have no preconceived notions. I'm going to look. And whatever I see, I'm looking with an ayin taiva, and I'm looking and I'm going to be influenced and impacted by what I see, by what I look at. So HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe over here in the parasha this week, Vera'isa Isa, he says, it's not just that, okay, you can't go into Eretz Yisrael, so you might as well just look at what you're not going to see. Look at what... Moshe, we need you to look at Eretz Yisrael. We need you that there should be a year that looks at Eretz Yisrael with a fresh set of eyes. Look at it. Look at Eretz Yisrael with that eye in Torah. Maybe Moshe was not going to share with what he saw, how he saw it. But in order to be Masak in that which the Miraculum did, where they saw things with a distorted vision because of their Kadimas pair, Moshe had to come in without a Kadimas pair and just look at it for what it is. So just to make a small tzushtel to this. 
<clears throat> you know, there's a Sefer Yitzira. Not that I'm familiar with Sefer Yitzira, but the Svarim quoted, and everybody has, I'm sure, heard this, seen this in some shape or form, that the Sefer Yitzira says that there's nothing worse than Nega, and there's nothing better than Oineg. Nega is a blemish, and Nega is a total absence of life. When the, uh, the skin of a, per, of a person loses all its vitality, it becomes white, meaning it, it loses, loses any chias that it has. Oineg is the ultimate life. A person's living it up. He's delighting. He's filled with life. So the difference is, Nega and Oineg both have a nun followed by a gimel, and the difference is where the ayin is. The word nega, the I in the I comes after. In other words, there's a preconceived notion. A person could live a life full of nagaim. Everything they see is bad. Everything they see is absent of life. Everything they see is negative. Why? Because they know that things are a certain way. They've been told. They think that. When a person looks at life like that, the ayin follows the nun and the gimel. He could live a life filled with nega. If a person, on the other hand, looks at life. He looks at things. Rabbanshin created a good world. Rabbanshin created a beautiful Torah. Rabbanshin created wonderful people. If we look at things with an eye first, the ayin comes before the nun and the gimel, that leads to ayinig. That applies to anything. We're giving a seminar on, on, just on positivity, so that's true. Certainly it, it, it pertains to Eretz Yisrael, it pertains to Yiddishkeit, it pertains to Avodah Hashem, all areas of Avodah Hashem. And this is something that Moshe Rabbein Rabbanshin says to Moshe, you can't go in but I still need you to look. Look at it with those fresh eyes. And with that, you'll be able to already have your own perspective. So for those who just walked in, so we're going to be starting now at a, uh, moving on to a technical new part. In the parsha this week, Moshe Rabbeinu is, he's told, he's already told before, he can't go into Eretz Yisrael, but now he's told that he should go. He's able to look, but he's not able to go in. Moshe knows that he could break that zera Through what? Through doing what? Davening. What? Praying. Right? He prays. He davens. He does that 515 times. And he's almost got it. It was a zera just like all good things, that if you daven enough, then you're able to undo the zera He did that 515 times. One more tefillah, and he would have been able to break through. And Hashem says to, Hashem says to Moshe, don't do it. It's not, it's not appropriate. So this is a pasuk at the beginning of Vayeschanan, and it goes like this. Moshe, Hashem says to Moshe, Vayom Hashem Eli, Moshe is reporting, Hashem said to me, Rav Lach, it's Rav Lach, it's too much for you. Al Tosef Taber Eli Oid Badavar Don't speak to me anymore about this matter. So what's the Lashon that Hashem uses? Rav Lach, it's too much for you. It's a lot for you. It's too much for you. Don't ask. Don't talk to me about it anymore. And Moshe Rabbeinu bows. In other words, he, he backs out. So the Gemara in Saita on Dafyud Gimel, the Gemara says that this was a punishment to Moshe Mida Keneged Mida. Why? Because in Parshas Karach, when Karach and his minions, the people that were coming with Karach, came and wanted their chance to become Kohen Gadol, Karach comes with 250 people. Moshe turns to them and he says, Rav Lachem, it's too much for you. Meaning you're already Leviim, you already have positions, you already have prestige, you already have that which others don't. Rav Lachem, it's too much for you. He used that Lashem when he told them they couldn't do it. 
So he's told now, Mida Kenegan Mida Ravlach. It's too much for you. That's a very, very difficult Gemara to understand. Because Kairach and the people that he came with were inappropriate. They were asking for something that didn't belong to them. They were trying to throw Aaron HaKoyen out of the job of Kain Gadol. They were asking for something that they didn't deserve. So Moshe told them correctly, Rav Lachem, it's too much for you. And Mida Keneged Mida, he's told, Rav Lach, it's too much for you, Moshe. Don't have him, it's too much. You can't go into Eretz Yisrael. And he was told this as a punishment, Mida Keneged Mida, tit for tat. The Gemara says, he did a chait, he sinned with Rav Lach, I'm sorry, with Rav Lachem, therefore he was punished with Rav Lach. Why is it that way? What's the sin? What was wrong? So Rebleib Chasman gives the most incredible, incredible answer, and it's something I think everybody needs to hear. Um, we're not going to have a shmuz by Parshas Vayeschanan, so you can keep this in mind again then. He says incredible. Who was Rebleib Chasman? Rebleib Chasman in pre-war Europe was a great rav, and subsequently when the altar of Slabatka opened the yeshiva in Hebron, in the city of Hebron in Eretz Yisrael, <clears throat> see, he was the mashkiach of the yeshiva. A great, great tzaddik. And he, after the massacre in Hebron in 1929, he's the one who really re- revitalized the yeshiva. And we, we have some svarim from him. His Talmud, Rav Shalom Shvadron, put out a sefer called Or Yahel, two volumes. And over there we have this var. And he says like this, if somebody has aspirations, if somebody has she'ifa, she'ifa means aspirations, to be bigger than he is. Even if the aspirations are misguided, you have to be very, very careful not to squash she'ifa. Which means if somebody has misguided aspirations, so you've got to channel his aspirations to the right way. You can't have this, but you could have that. You don't tell somebody it's too much for you. He wants to be bigger. He wants to be stronger. He wants to be better. He wants to be more. See, if this is not the right angle, he's, going, he's climbing up the wrong tree. This is unhealthy for him. This is, it's, not, it's not what he's cut out for. But you don't tell him it's too much. You can't have this, but try that. An incredible yesai. Moshe Rabbeinu broke their she'ifa. They gave up. They said, okay, so then you don't come. You can't come. I'm Moshe Rabbeinu on his level. You can't tell a person, Rav Lachem, it's too much for you. So Mamela Moshe wanted to go into Eretz Yisrael. For whatever reason, he wanted to go into Eretz Yisrael to be on the other side of the yard. Whatever he was going to gain over there, Hashem says, I'm sorry, Moshe, it's too much. In other words, whatever his she'ifa was through tefillah, he was able to get it. But when you take away she'ifa, Sakharish Baruch took it away from him, Mida Kenegad Mida. I want to bring a little bit of a riot to this. I'm not sure if this is a good riot, but maybe a riot. The Gemara says in, in, in Masech Shabbos on Lamed Aleph, the Gemara tells a story how there was a certain non-Jew, there was a guy who was walking past the base medrash. And I guess that, you know, the windows were open, it was a dynamic a person giving a shear, it was a loud shear, and he's teaching Parshas Tetzavah. And Parshas Tetzavah talks about the Kain Gadol and the clothing that the Kain Gadol wore, and the gold and the tchelas and everything else. And the guy decided, I would love to become the Kain Gadol. I can't do it if I'm not Jewish. He goes over to Shammai and he says, how about if I become a Ger, maybe I could become the Kain Gadol. Shammai says, I don't think this is for you. He comes to Hillel, and Hillel says, sure, come. Yeah, he, he's Megayer him, and he starts slowly but surely to learn. 
And after however long it took him to get to Parshas Tetzave, he discovers that in order to be the Kayan Gadol, you need to be a Kayan. You need to be a descendant of Aaron Akayan. Okay, that's a technical issue. So he goes over to, to Beis Madrash and he sees Hillel and Shammai are together, even though they argued and they were together, they were learning together. And he comes and he says to Hillel, I'm thanking you for allowing, for not pushing me away, because at least you brought me Tachas Kanfei Ashkina. At least I became a yid. At least I, I became now. Look at what I have as a result. Had you pushed me away and told me you're aiming too high, you can't be that kind gadol. I would have never done it. You allowed me to still aspire. You allowed me to want. You, you know, somebody. I don't think it was a yid who said this, but somebody once said that a person's reach always has to exceed his grasp. A person always has to read for more. Reach for more than you're able to hold on to. Because if you don't reach really high, in yeshivas they used to say, I don't know who said, maybe your does it, your who said, Rabbi Dida, who, who, who said, if I didn't aspire to be, I think it was the Rabbarach there, said, if I didn't aspire to be Rabbi Kiva Eger, I would have never become Rabbarach there. Right? Rabbarach there said, if, 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 you have to aspire, but aspire big, I can never be Rabbi Kiva Eger. But, but if that's what I aspire to, then I'll be bigger than I am. I'll be bigger than I would have been without it. A person has to aspire. We don't tell a person that's too much for you. A person has shi'ifas. You want to be the kind God? Okay, let's see. Let's see how far we could get. But at least I became a yid. Became a Talmud Chacham. He was learning until he got to that point. His life became filled with Torah. There's a Misa that they say over with um, the Rav Meir Shapiro. Meir Shapiro was one of the legends in his time. He became so big, he unfortunately wasn't blessed with children, and he died short of his 50th birthday. Big, big Iluya, big tzaddik, a big Talmud Chacham, accomplished so much, and one of his accomplishments was the idea of Daf Yomi. He didn't think of Daf Yomi when he was uh, 50 years old. He thought of Daf Yomi when he was 6 years old. And he was, while his friends were sitting and playing, and he was always like, trying to think, like, how, how could he change the Jewish people? What could I do to change the face of things? So the Misa was that apparently when he was six years old, he was living in the town of Shatz, and he was in the house of the Shatz Rav, and he would talk to his six-year-old daughter, and she would prepare food for the, for, for, for the Cheder boys. And one day he says, you know, imagine if everybody would be learning the same thing, and people would come whenever you travel, it goes from point A to point B, and point B to point C, and we're always learning the same thing. Imagine everybody could converse and what that would do to Torah. And she says, you know, why don't you just go out and play with the boys? What are you talking about? People, so apparently years, years later, he was one time traveling by train, and the husband of this girl met him. And he said, you know, my wife always tells me about, you know, when you were younger, he says, is she here? I'd like to talk to her. So he was a chassid, chassid, people don't usually speak to other people's wives. But she came, and he said to her, he said, I just want you to know, do you remember the conversation we had when we were six? She says, as a matter of fact, I do. He says, I heard that you're involved in chinuch, you're involved in teaching. Please remember to never, ever tell a child that you can't. Because had I taken you seriously and gone out to play and stopped dreaming, I might have never made my ideas known about the dafyomi. And her son, who became very gosh of a yid, was the Ramesha Halberstam, who was one of the Dayanim of the Badats in Eretz Yisrael. She was a son, he was a son of the daughter of the Shatzarov of Rabshalom Moskowitz. And Ramesh Shapir said, 
Never tell a child he can't. The child wants to be big. He wants to... And we should never tell the child within us. You can't. It's, it's too big. It's too far. Who are you to dream like this? Moshe Rabbeinu said to the Bnei Kar, who were wrong. They were inappropriate. They were, they were fighting the Navi Hashem. They were fighting Moshe Rabbeinu. He said to them, Rav Lachem, it's too much for you. Too much for you, says Rebbeib Chasman. So HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe, you know, going into Eretz Yisrael, it's too much for you. And he could have, he almost got it. Obviously, Midah Kenegah Midah, Hashem is medactic with tzaddikim in a way much more than others. It's how important it is to have she'ifas, how important it is to aspire, to be. Never to tell ourselves, you know what, to, to silence that voice and say, be happy with what you are, it's enough. You know, you've maxed out. The voices around us that tell us, you know, you've, look at how big you've already come. You're more than others. Don't set the barometer with others. A person has she'ifa. A person has aspirations. I could be. I want to be. So then be. Everybody else around you, you're so much better than them anyway. No. You could be better. You, you, the barometer is your own. You know, sometimes a person is walking up around. Sometimes it's not healthy. Sometimes it's not realistic. So what could I do with that shifa? If it's not going to go here, <clears throat> where could I channel it and direct it? As opposed to saying, no, you can't. It's not, it's not what you cut out for. Tremendous thing. And this is basically the aside from Rebbeib Chasman. So I don't know if this is a good sushtal, not a good sushtal, but I, I'd like to just, you maybe say a pshan and a rashi. Hashem tells Moshe, in Parshas Penchas, He says, okay, you're not going into Eretz Yisrael, Climb up the mountain, it's time for you to die. Climb up the mountain and look. Right after that, Moshe Rabbeinu talks to Hashem. It's a pasuk, Vayedaber Moshe al Hashem. Moshe speaks to Hashem. And it says, Hashem, if I'm going to die, the Jewish people need a leader. Yifkar alakeh ruchas basa Hashem, appoint a leader. And this is what they need. They need somebody who could relate to each individual. We're not a people that one size fits all. And so tell Hashem Baruch everything that Hashem needs to do. And Hashem responds to him after that. Hashem says, now that you've told me what I should do, you know, maybe tell my children what they need to do and how they should bring karbanos, consistent karbanos. And that's basically the hemshach of the parsha. So Rashi says, why is Moshe asking Hashem now to appoint a new leader? Remember the Rashi? Incredible Rashi. I would have said, I would have said that the reason is he's told that he's going to die. He's already told to climb up the mountain. His time is up. He's got to make sure there's a new leader. That's what a responsible leader does, is he leaves, he leaves the successor. Maybe he'll groom the successor. Tell him what he needs. So Rashi says a whole new thing. Rashi says it's actually not connected to this at all. But when he saw that the daughters of Tzlafchad, right, they were complaining. They said, we don't, our father didn't have any sons. If a man dies without sons, so the Nachla goes over to other relatives. It doesn't go over. It goes to his brothers. It goes... So our father is not going to have a chilek in Eretz Yisrael. The daughters of Tzavchad said, we want to change things that it should go through us. And Hashem says, you know, Moshe, give it to them. Tell them that they could have it. So he said, when Moshe sees how they were making sure that there would be a hemshach to their father, so he says, you know, I should really do the same thing. Let me make sure that there will be a continuation for me. I have sons. Maybe they could take over my position. Now is the time. Moshe says, now that I see what happened... Now is the time for me to see that maybe my children could take over. Could take over. It's like such a funny thing. But he wouldn't have thought about this without it. He, had he not seen the Benos Slavchad, he wouldn't have thought about Klai Yisrael. He, 
He's a leader. He left Klal Yisrael. He took the bullet for them. He told HaKadosh Baruch Hu that, that if you don't save them, if you don't spare them, Im ayin erase me from your sefer. It's, it's all about Bnei Yisrael. He's, so he's only thinking, and maybe now, he wouldn't have thought about his children, he would have thought about somebody else. All thing is so strange. So not everybody here has children. But Bez Hashem, when we do have children, so we need to think big for our children. We say in davening on Friday night, Moshe and Aaron b'Kohanav. Moshe and Aaron were the Kohanim of Hashem. Ushmuel b'Kareishmai. What does Ushmuel b'Kareishmai mean? And Shmuel was called by his name. Hashem called him by name. The Chidar brings down a medrash that before Shmuel Hanavi was born, there was a nevuah. A nevuah came out. People found out it was a baskal, a nevuah, that there was going to be a child who was born by the name of Shmuel, and he was going to illuminate Klai Yisrael with his nevuah. Every Jewish boy that was born after that, until Shmuel Hanavi was born, every parent named their child Shmuel. Because they said, maybe it could be our child. They didn't say, well, we're going to have a child who's a navi. Every parent named their kid Shmuel. And the Chidah brings down an amazing thing, that every one of those children had some level of nevuah. He says it on that passage. When you raise a child to be, they weren't Shmuel Hanavi, there was only one Shmuel Hanavi, it's a child of Chana, child of Alkana. But there was only one Shmuel. But you raise a child, or Shmuel, you're going to call him Shmuel, maybe that could be my child, you raise him, you groom him. Obviously if a person thinks my child could be, maybe that nevuah wasn't that my kid. You're going to raise him differently. You're not going to expose him to things he shouldn't be exposed to. You're going to, going to get him the best rebbein. You're going to invest in his chinuch. You're going to build him in the best. Shmuel was, everybody was called by that name, Shmuel. You have to have she'ifa. If you have she'ifa, you aim big. You might not get Shmuel Hanavi, but you'll get Shmuel, not Hanavi, not then Navi, but Shmuel with some level of nevuah. Well, my kid, who says, I'm going to have a kid who's a Navi. I'm just me, I'm playing me. You're right. But if plain me raises a child to be a Navi, he might not be that, but he'll have something. So maybe this is the pshat. The Bnas Tzlavchad came, the daughters of Tzlavchad came with an unreasonable request. Lama yigara Hashem Avinu. Why should the name of our father be less? Why should our father not have a chelik in Eretz Yisrael? You know what the answer to that is? Because he only had daughters and not sons, and those are the rules. You can't change the Torah. But when somebody comes with she'ifa, somebody wants a chilek in Eretz Yisrael, you never know. You don't tell them no. You say, oh, I'll ask Hashem. If Hashem wrote the Torah, let's see what He says. And Hashem says, you know what? They asked for it and they have that she'ifa. Tell them that they could have a chilek in Eretz Yisrael as well. And sometimes the answer is not. But when somebody comes, even if it's ridiculous, even if it's something that makes no sense, but if you have the she'ifa, you want it to work, you never know. You never squash a she'ifa. What was Moshe thinking? I understand that Hashem said that it should go to the door. But what's Moshe thinking? Comes to Hashem, they want it. Moshe, you know the Pasuk says, if a man only has daughters, then don't inherit his chilek. What are you going and asking? They had she'ifa. They wanted more. You don't tell somebody who wants more you can't have. So maybe this is what happened. Moshe Rabbeinu sees what happened with the Benaz Slavchat. Not just that he saw that they got something. He saw that they wanted. He saw that they had she'ifa. 
And he saw that when there's she'ifa, you could break boundaries. He says, I know my kids are not that raw. My children are not maybe on that level that they could take over, they could lead Kal Yisrael. But if you want something enough, and I know that I've worked on their chinuch, and I know that I've tried, and maybe I'll try a little bit more, maybe we'll be able to break through a boundary. Because if you have she'ifa, if you aspire and you want, you never know what the answer is going to be. Hashem says to Moshe, I'm sorry. It's not for your children. The one who's going to get it is Yeshua. And there's a passage quote, I'm going to end with this. Why did Yeshua earn the job? Rashi says he was always in the base matters. And he quotes a passage that the person who guards the fig tree gets to eat the figs. You know what the Malbim says? You know what's unique about guarding a fig tree? The figs, when they ripen, you have to get it off the tree at the exact moment that it ripens. Because if you leave figs on a tree, they begin to they become wormy, and it's a very, very wormy kind of a fruit. So how do you know when it ripens? You've always got to be looking at that fig tree and waiting for that chance that that fig ripens, and then you pull it off the tree. So you see a tremendous thing. You know why Yeshua became Yeshua? Because he always aspired for another fig. You know why he was always in the base matters? Not because he had nothing else to do. Not because he was a social misfit and he couldn't hang out. The reason Yeshua was there was because maybe I'll hear another part. You've always got to be there. Maybe I'll hear something that will really grab me. Maybe I'll get another opportunity to learn something. He had she'ifa. He didn't want to miss anything. He was always there for that ta'ina to ripen. You had that she'ifa. You never wanted to miss anything. Yeshua's she'ifa, that she'ifa was the one. It's all about she'ifa. It's all about aspiration. Shem should bench us. And I'm really talking to the guys who are here in the summer, the Bakram, the Chashav Bakram, the Bnei Aliyah who here when the base matters is relatively empty, and the dormitory is empty, and everything's beckoning everywhere else, and nobody, it doesn't have to be here. But I hear anyway, you have she'ifa. My bracha to you is that your she'ifa should pay off, your she'ifa should yield results. The real key to Hatzlacha in any area of Torah or Avodah Hashem is having that she'ifa, not wanting to miss out. FOMO of the base matters. What happens if there's something in the basement? What if was another opportunity? What happens, what happens if I wasn't at breakfast this morning and realized that there's going to be... We wouldn't have a mishmar, because Rabbi Israel wouldn't have been around. What if... What if, It's... Hashem should bench all of you. Your hearts should always be open. Yismach leiv mevakshin Hashem.